0: On the Block, On Demand! They don't know about the Kumbaya meetings we had this week. I may have some news for you in a moment. Without Jerry McIntyre, we wouldn't have won 10 (laughs) games this year. Continue standing by. Okay, not 10. 25-footer! Yes! Off the glass and in! An assassin! Stone Cold! The Bills make me want to Taylor going to take a shot. Throwing end zone. He's got weapons. Touchdown. They didn't look in the heart. They didn't look in the heart. The, the Boston Red Sox are world champions. This is On The Block. Here is your host, Brent Axe. Ah! They... ESPN Radio 97.7. 100.1. ESPN Radio, Utica Row. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board. You can listen via the ESPN app. Oh, download that thing so you can take us with you wherever you go and a new way to take in the program. Facebook Live. Hello, Facebook. If you're watching there on Facebook Live, you can uh, see the show. You can see the Inner Sanctum. You can see how we do, what we do. Just like the ESPN Syracuse Facebook page. And lo and behold, here we are on Facebook Live. So you can do that as well. You can make yourself a part of the program. That is easy to do at 437-7644. Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. All ways to get in touch with the program so you can get your hot takes flow in here on this That's Tuesday. Hot. How's everybody doing? Snow is falling. We're walking in a winter wonderland. Finally feels like winter in central New York. Cold temperatures. Maybe it's cold outside. Let's do it. We got two guests joining us today. We're looking forward to speaking with both of these gentlemen. We've talked to them a lot lately because we've had to talk to them a lot lately when Something comes up in the world of New York sports. We always turn to our buddy J.J., John Jastrzemski, WFAN in New York. We will talk to J.J. today, Stanton to the Yankees, Giants update, Jets update, all things New York sports, and we are going to get J.J. on New York sports, I believe today, from Miami. About that, he was probably seeing his uh, Dolphins take down the New England Patriots last night. On Monday Night Football, speaking of the National Football League, it's a Top 5 Tuesday. we got a fancy voice guy for it. Number one. And everything. So I'll give you my top five teams in the National Football League later in the show. Kind of wrap up college football before we kind of get into that gap, before bowl games start. And the bowl games that matter. The playoffs not for, you know, just under a month from now. As it goes in the world of college football. But we'll do our Top 5 teams In the National Football League, we are also going to speak with Chris Carlson today, my buddy from Syracuse.com. You can read his work there. You can follow him on Twitter for great insight as well. We'll focus mostly on the Syracuse basketball front, but maybe something we're going to discuss here momentarily and a couple other things we'll get into with Chris as well. Hot takes aplenty later on this hour, including you cannot, in my opinion, make any declarative statements about the national basketball association until christmas. Once we get to christmas when they feature all the big games, then I think you can start to make some opinions, but you really you can't those have to be written in pencil because it's still so young. There's still so much basketball to be played, but things are not looking good for Carmelo Anthony's new squad, something we will discuss During hot takes so looking forward to discussing all that with you looking forward to hearing from you and we start with one of the faces of Syracuse University in some hot water again it is unquestioned that if you were to pick a Syracuse University football alum that stands out the most in terms of their profile once they left Syracuse went to the league their profile as a public person their profile as someone who has not only donated to, but is on the board of trustees for Syracuse University, then that name would be Donovan McNabb. And once again, Donovan McNabb's name is coming up for all the wrong reasons today. Now, I will say this from the word go here. I will say this from the top of this conversation. To be fair, this is a lawsuit. You can sue anybody in this country for pretty much anything. Just because you are accused or named in a lawsuit does not make you guilty. There is a process to be done here, and we will be fair to that process. But it is intriguing that I guess it was inevitable that everything going on in this unprecedented world we have of women stepping forward and claiming sexual harassment, unfortunately, in the cases of some sexual assault and how they have been treated over A number of years, let alone recently, we have seen senators go down. We have seen Harvey Weinstein go down. We see on now a daily basis the president of the United States. And there's movement on that today. Our own senator, Kirsten Gillibrand, and what she is saying about President Trump and, you know, the whole Access Hollywood tape, and we know that story, right? It has gone to every walk of life. Famous chefs have stepped aside. Mario Batali earlier this week. And it is going to almost every form of and it's not, you know, I'm thinking of the public things, but this is happening on a much lesser scale that just don't get the headlines that professional athletes, senators, movie producers, people in the public eye get, because that's what, you know, will get the most discussion. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying that's just kind of the way it is, unfortunately. So it was only inevitable that this would not only circle into sports, but would circle into a name that hits a nerve with us, that hits a nerve with people that follow sports the way that we do in central New York, particularly Syracuse University sports. So to give you the, I don't want to go into all the details here, because this is somewhat of a family show, but Donovan McNabb has been named in a lawsuit, along with a number of current NFL network analysts who are now suspended, Including Hall of Famer Marshall Falk, Heath Evans, and a few other names, former executives of the NFL network, one of which runs Bill Simmons' new kind of media empire with the ringer, and another, you know, a current but suspended now NFL analyst, Eric Davis. McNabb has been accused by, in this lawsuit, along with the other names I mentioned and a few that I didn't. It's a long list, unfortunately of some things that when you read the details in the lawsuit, you read the details in the story of what they said, allegedly, to this woman, what they wanted this woman to do, allegedly, it's disturbing. It's just in line of what we've been hearing lately. And it just kind of goes to this culture that is out there and how women are now speaking up for this. And one thing I didn't even mention is there's an election going on in the state of Alabama today that's pretty important, and we all know the details on that and how that fractures and how immediately people will either look at it one way or the other, because that's the fractured society we live in today. Yet, despite this women every day are stepping forward and saying this happened to me, hence the movement, the hashtag and what this is about, the me too movement as it is called, right? So in this lawsuit, McNabb is accused of sending some pretty lewd text messages to the woman who filed the lawsuit as a former, a wardrobe makeup artist at the NFL Network. And she filed a lawsuit about a month ago, and she amended that lawsuit to include some new things. So you can read the lawsuit. You can read what these individuals allegedly said, and apparently they have texts and other ways to kind of validate what she said. There are two sides to every story, so we'll see what happens for the players that have been accused of this. So this follows in line with McNabb's DUI arrests in recent years. Now, that is not something that is alleged or speculative, or that is something he pled guilty to and spent 18 days in jail for. So now we're reaching a pressure point here. When you have somebody out there that is as prominent a football name as Donovan McNabb is, it is something you want to be proud of. It is something you want to share. It is something you want to brag about. It is something that when you're on the recruiting trail, as Dino Babers currently is, you want to have that name in the first breath of, and, you know, recent is pushing it. You know, McNabb graduated in 1998. Next year is 20 years since 1998. There are people of this generation, they're like, oh yeah, McNabb, the guy on TV, or they see him in a different way. wasn't his mom in those Chunky Soup commercials, like they don't make the connection. Of how good of a football player he is. They should. It's not that far removed, but next year's twenty years. Twenty years since McNabb graduated. That just it blows my mind. He was the number two pick in the nineteen ninety-nine NFL draft. Time flies, man. So Syracuse is in a spot here, and I mentioned Chris, who's going to be on with us later. He got a statement from Syracuse, and it was basically we're aware of what's going on. We are monitoring this. You know, I wrote a column after the DUI stuff a couple years ago. And I said, you know, if you're Syracuse University, you've really got to at least ask the question here. You've got to wonder whether you want this person as marketed as he is on your board of trustees and put out there as a prominent alum. He's don't. And by the way, I'm not saying, that's not my opinion. I'm asking that question now. I mean, if you really push came to shove and I had to give you an opinion on this, I'd say probably need to back off on that. I remember being, I don't know which way, I don't want to get it wrong here, but it was definitely a promotion from Syracuse, from SU, that said, hey, have lunch with Donovan McNabb. It was something they were doing to, you know, and I don't want to get the details wrong, but I know it was a Syracuse promotion. In some way, shape, or form, you could have lunch with Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb has donated a lot of money to the program for locker room and amenities and weight room. and So you're in a spot here. You're in a spot because he is on the list of some of the most prominent alums out there that are used to sell your product, that are used to recruit kids to play football here and everything in between. Let me again stress, let's let a process play out here. It's one thing, DUI, you're arrested, there's video of it, there's blood alcohol content. That process was pretty streamlined. He did it a second time, spent time in jail for it, and that's clean and 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 cut. This is an accusation in a lawsuit along with several other people that either worked at the NFL Network or currently work at the NFL Network, which McNabb's part in this stems from his time at the NFL Network. He spent a short time there, but was there in 2012. And it is in line with some of the other accusations for this woman who's filed this lawsuit, who also is Suing for age discrimination, amongst other things, saying that the person that they hired to replace her is 30 years younger than she is. And, you know, the great thing and the bad thing all wrapped into one in the United States of America is the legal system that we have. And that if you feel you've been wronged in some way, well, you can hire a lawyer and and let the process play out. It is intriguing to me. There is a part of me that looks at this and says, man, this is pretty easy to bring somebody down. I mean, I remember the Duke lacrosse case. We all remember that, right? I remember being on this show being upset that Daryl Gross had a shoot-from-the-hip statement saying that we would not accept any of those Duke lacrosse players at Syracuse should they wish to transfer, and I said, at the time— before the process had played out, how unfair that was. Like, how can you say that about, you know, 50 lacrosse players when it was just a few individuals involved and they were exonerated? There was a great ESPN 30 for 30 about that. Uh, Think how quick people were to jump on that and how the district attorney in that case just completely bungled that thing. And those guys, they're now starting to come out of it. We now realize the mistakes that were made, but for, you know, a course of a year or two, they were, they were, you're accused of something hideous that they didn't do. Now, I'm not saying that's the case here, but I am saying, think of how easy it is to somebody in a lawsuit, say you got some text messages, and, you know, McNabb is currently suspended. McNabb is, you know, currently has a, trying to say this fairly, his name has a stain on it right now, fairly or unfairly. But the other side of this is how long have, we, in, in the case you read the lawsuit, this woman claims that she was treated this way by some of these players. As the president of the United States once said, locker room talk, right? Things more serious than locker room talk. Guys know how guys talk and how they and what they talk about and how they talk about it when they're together, be it in literally the locker room, together someplace, at the bar, on the golf course. And sometimes men feel empowered enough to say these things to women. And obviously, we're seeing the reckoning of that. Women feeling now that they can step forward and say, this is not okay. This isn't the old boys club. This isn't the way it's done anymore. This is not okay. So there is empowerment there. There is, this needs to happen. Women need to feel like if they've been treated this way that they can step up. And if there's credibility to their accusations, it has to be looked at. It has to be looked at. And now it's, I mean, we were just waiting for it to hit sports. Things have happened through the years. We hear about p- athletes getting into trouble all the time. This is this is different now. And some people question timing of things and why they come out. And I'm not going to pretend to get into that. Why would somebody step forward 10, 15, 20 years later after a certain thing? And some people will, would tell you there's political or financial motivations there. I, I don't have it in my heart to think that somebody would do that, but it does happen. See, these are extraordinary times we're in. And now Syracuse has to think long and hard about how they now will present, associate with, and market one of their most prominent alums. That's the spot they've been put in. And people are very quick to cut ties and they just don't want to deal with it anymore. You say, let the process play out. I mean, thanks to social media and the rush to judgment people have and the world as we live today, you don't get that benefit of the doubt. You you get uh, 5,000 retweets for something and as coordinated and ridiculous and as mob mentality as that can be sometimes. That's just the world we live in today. People just don't want to deal with it. Just move on and get get to the next news cycle two hours from now and, and get the hell out of it, right? So we'll see what happens here. But this is now... The third time that you pull up a computer, you read a newspaper, you get on Twitter, wherever you are, and you're in a high place at Syracuse University, and you cringe, because that's a headline you don't want to see, involving your most prominent football alumni. By the way, I and I want to be careful here, all right? I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but for what it's worth, we have put in a number of requests to talk to Donovan McNabb. Over the past, I don't know, year and a half since he got hired by ESPN, an entity that shouldn't be hard for us to get an interview with. Right. We're an ESPN affiliate. He works for ESPN radio. He's a Syracuse alum nine out of 10 times. That shouldn't be that hard of a process, but he has not accommodated that request, which is his right. I'm not saying he's obligated to come on the show, but. Let's just, let me just put this on the record, that even before what we learned today, now it's not going to happen, even before what we learned today, that was not going to be a slappy on the back, complimentary interview. Had I gotten the opportunity to speak with him, we would have been fair and played it out and certainly would have had him on just to, you know, shoot the bull and talk football. But I've got questions for McNabb. I've got things I want to ask him. Frankly, I'm kind of over McNabb at this point, and I don't want to. Rush to judgment. Everybody's flawed. I've made mistakes. Everybody out there's made mistakes and I, I don't want to judge. But I'm kinda of over him at this point. Because it's just there's this pattern that keeps coming up. And have, you know, the old weather smoke there's fire thing comes up, right? And I'm just a radio host. I'm just somebody that grew up here in Syracuse and watched him play. I'm not somebody that has to market him. I'm not somebody that has to associate with him. I'm not somebody that has to, in essence, trot them out there. Athletes are inherently flawed. I mean, if, if you're getting into the world of professional athletes and, you know, there's a whole subculture of things we can talk about here, I think we all know by nature there, there's a lot of flaws there. You're not associating with with angels and choir boys here. So you, you reserve a lot of judgment to start with there, if that makes any sense, when you're associating with athletes given kind of the nature of of what a lot of them are and and what they've done and backgrounds they come from, et cetera, et cetera. But now McNabb has kind of reached the point where it's gone beyond that. But we'll see how this plays out. There's two sides to every story. I'm sure he'll have his lawyers tell his side and they'll let it play out. And we'll see if this turns into another Duke lacrosse case or if there was some smoke from a fire on that note, we will break and we'll change gears next because There's a lot of things happening on the New York sports scene, and when that is the case, we turn to our guy, John Jastrzemski, WFAN. Usually in New York. Rumor has it, though, he's in sunny Miami today. We'll talk to him next. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Do you hear that? What is that? What is that? Yeah, what is that? What is it? The holder, Riley Dixon, and the kicker, Cole Murphy. Spot is down. The kick by Murphy is up and in. And orange uniforms pour out onto the field. Give me real. Thank you, Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't run 10 games this year. Taramina steps up. He shoots. He scores! That Taramina in overtime. Syracuse wins 2-1. to one. You will never find the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. The Bills make me want to Nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. Here is your host. Got a bad feeling about the rent tax. Welcome back, my friends. Welcome aboard. Either way, we're so glad you're here. On the block, ESPN Radio 97.7. 100.1 ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome on the ESPN app. Just hit that listen tab, and off you go. Wherever you go, we go with you, my friends. You can watch us on Facebook Live. Just hit like on ESPN Syracuse Facebook page. And we've been doing most of our shows on the Facebook Live. If you want to look into the inner sanctum here, see how we do things, another great option if you're sitting there, you see a notification pop up on Facebook, you can catch the show that way. And a cool thing is uh, a complete replay of the show is on Facebook, for those of you. And we've had quite a few people say we they want the whole thing. They don't just want highlights. They don't just want a podcast. They want the whole show so they can listen on demand on their time the Facebook Live automatically replays into a whole block of the entire show if you prefer it that way. So that's a cool option. Chris Carlson will join us later this hour. We'll talk some SU hoops with him. We'll do some top fives later this hour as well, top five Tuesdays. We're heading down the home stretch here in both the National Football League. And of course, college is done before bowl season kicks in here. So one last college top five, and then we'll boy doing the top five in the National Football League's interesting right now. Are the Steelers really the best team in the NFL? I mean, technically right now they are because they've won eight in a row. But are they really the best team in the NFL? You can pick apart every team at this point, even the survivors that have come through at this point 11 and 2 or 10 and three. I guess that's the beauty of the NFL. Everybody's flawed. And we'll do that a little later on this hour. But I wonder how the rhythm is going to go with Syracuse basketball. And as we get closer to Saturday, It'll become more about Georgetown and the nostalgia of the matchup and Patrick Ewing's roaming the sideline now. And, you know, we'll certainly have plenty to say about that. The closer we get, I'm sure we'll have a guest or two on to stroll down memory lane. I like that Georgetown's on the schedule every year. I like that UConn's on the schedule every year. You know, just makes the non-conference slate more interesting. You add some different wrinkles and angles to it. As I mentioned, Patrick Ewing is there now. I'm kind of over it in a way, too. Like, if they announced in some way, shape, or form, like the next time we have John Wildhack on, he said, hey, you know what, we're done with this, I'd be fine with it. I'd be fine with it. It's kind of played out. I don't think they have to play every year. It's just, it's a bonus. It's kind of cool, right? So we'll see how that plays out as we get closer to the game on Saturday. Georgetown just got this dreadful non-conference slate that they've played so far. Oh, well, they're undefeated. I saw uh, Mike Waters wrote something today that, you know, Syracuse is, there's only seven teams left that are undefeated in college hoops, and Syracuse is going to play three of them, and one of them's Georgetown. It's like, come on, go look at Georgetown's non-conference schedule. That thing is just ridiculous. But I'm wondering this rhythm. So Syracuse has started well, and they've had a great non-conference late, which they've come out of unscathed, short of Kansas, but you still kind of get those... Those brownie points, if you will, for playing at Kansas in non-conference play. You've got some solid wins there. And you go down this road now. Georgetown. Then you get Buffalo and St. Bonaventure. The Western connection. Western New York connection coming in for back-to-back. Dome games One on a Tuesday. St. Bonaventure is a Friday night. Friday the 22nd. Both expected to be tougher than usual non-conference games. But two games that Syracuse, I think, should win. Bonnie's got it great backcourt jalen adams is getting healthy now and that could be one of those games you stub your toe in but games that you are expected to take care of business eastern michigan on the 27th and then you start acc play you start acc play with virginia tech then you go to wake forest and then your first big time real meat and potatoes acc game is a home game it's saturday Students are not going to be in town for this one, it would still be a big crowd against Notre Dame, a team that, you know, I picked to go to the Final Four at the beginning of the season, frankly, and is one of the more experienced teams in the ACC. And that's, that's going to be a great matchup. But then you go to Virginia from there and off you go or into that ACC rhythm. So this week, Syracuse got a couple of votes in both the AP and the coaches' poll. And knowing how voters work, I do not vote in the, in the basketball poll. But voting in the AP football poll, I kind of know how voters work and what they look for. And, you know, the best way to get into the poll is to beat a team in it. That's the best way for you to get in. Beat somebody who's ranked and basically flip-flop with them. But you just kind of have to keep accumulating wins and get to nine, in Syracuse's case, 9-1, and and 10-1, 11-1. Inevitably, those last five teams, somebody loses, bounces out, especially in basketball when you're playing a couple of games a week. So will the rhythm take Syracuse into the poll before conference play starts? Because how big of a non-conference win would Georgetown be? This is that weird week for a lot of schools. It's finals week, so you only play one game. You've got a week gap in between your last game and your next game. So how big of a win would Georgetown be? In the mind, think of you're a poll voter. You're still depending on the teams ahead of you, not only in the poll, But in the, uh, you know, that famed others receiving votes category. And then if you beat Buffalo and St. Bonaventure in the course of a week, it's all a matter of your record, but, you know, Bonnie's would be a quality non conference win. Those that vote in the poll and follow this thing closely know that would be a quality win. Then he only got one more shot before that against Eastern Michigan before he started ACC play. So it's December 12th. Syracuse, in this calendar year, has five games left. Georgetown, Buffalo, St. Bonaventure, Eastern Michigan, Virginia Tech. I wouldn't put my money on Syracuse getting into the poll by the end of this calendar year. Unless, you know, you make that run, you beat Virginia Tech on New Year's Eve, which is a Sunday this year. So maybe on New Year's Day when that poll comes out. On the first day of 2018, you'll be in the poll. But there... It just kind of feels like the same rhythm, right? Because last year, things got thrown off. You didn't have that rhythm. Syracuse lost a couple of games in non-conference, and they lost to Georgetown, and they lost to St. John's, and it was unfamiliar territory. But now they're kind of back into that rhythm. You go through non-conference play, either undefeated or with one loss, and we'll see what happens here. Because you have players that are getting healthy that are hurt. You have a limited roster. You have a team that's not very deep right now. So, they have to fight their way through this. You got a star in TIE's battle. You got a team that's rebounding really well, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country defensively, while they're still working on it. The opponent field goal percentage inside the three point line. I mean, teams are jacking up threes against Syracuse and making 49% of them. And the Colgate game throws those stats off a little bit. But Syracuse is winning the right way, they're playing the right way. And it's funny how this was a team that, depending on which preseason prognostications you put your respect into, was picked to finish either middle of the pack or, in the case of some, back-end ACC team that's just kind of taking care of business, doing it the hard way, earning what they get, has a good enough non-conference slate in its rear view mirror and ahead of it to kind of earn some respect with poll voters. Syracuse is just, they're on a good rhythm right now. They're on the right path. They're not quite on the radar in terms of a team that's getting a lot of early hype and, you know, nothing can happen to you but tear you down. They didn't come in with a lot of hype. If anything, they came in with a lot of doubt from people on the outside. How are they going to recover not having Torian Thompson and, you know, all the things we looked at and said, how's this team going to do it so many new players and they need time to come together. It's kind of boring in a way because they're not on one extreme or the other and last year they were on the extreme you don't want to be on. You're losing non-conference games. You're getting behind the eight ball. You're putting yourself in a situation you don't want to be in. This team, they're just kind of going right straight down the line they need to be. If you want to use the Goldilocks theory, they're kind of just right. They're not too hot. They're not too cold. They're just right where they need to be. So how will that continue? And things will pick up with an intense rivalry game against Georgetown coming up on Saturday, but we'll discuss this as we go through the week more. Kind of like when I was at our holiday Christmas party today, and I know I've had enough cookies. Like, okay, I'm going to have this one last cookie, and I know that's it. I'm kind of there with Syracuse-Georgetown. I no longer feel they have to play every year. It's nice that they do. But after Saturday, and I'll see Bayheim coach against Patrick Ewing, and we'll see what kind of game it is, and you know those old memories get stirred up. But when the memories override what's happening on the court now, you know that's when it's time to turn the page. I kind of felt that way with UConn. It still felt like it mattered because it was at the Garden, and it was a good game, and... That intensity was still there. The fan bases still go at it. That's still there. But a lot of it was about so much that happened 5, 10, 15 years ago. And I'm getting that feeling again with this Syracuse Georgetown team. Like, other than Patrick Ewing, name me five people on the Georgetown roster right now at the top of your head. Like, I can't even do that. If I can't do that at this point, then what does this rivalry mean anymore? We're just hanging on to old memories. We're hanging on in nostalgia. If they schedule it again next year, great. Going forward, okay. I'm not against it. I'm kind of. I'm, I'm just kind of strolling down the middle of the road on that one. You can talk me into it. You can talk me out of it. But if it ended tomorrow, I wouldn't care. I really wouldn't. I, I've. I've. I've kind of had enough of it. But we'll get into that more as we get closer. And we'll do it, man. As much as I feel about this, you guys are into it. You want to. Look at Georgetown, the Patrick Ewing angle, and the, the, those old memories stir up. I'm all for that, too. Believe me. I'm not going to deny you that. But if you want me to be honest, I'm kind of over it. I, I'm finally over it. I kinda, And now watch. They're going to go lose by 20 on Saturday. I'm going to be like, <laughs> I'll stir it up. Let's fire this thing up again. But never doubt what Syracuse-Georgetown can give you, right? But that's kind of how I'm feeling right now about it. Let's break on that note. We will talk some hoops and more with our buddy Chris Carlson, Syracuse.com. He's on the beat. He joins us next. Stay right there. Thank you. Bye-bye.